Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm Angela. Today, this episode is all about depression and anxiety in the Christian experience. Before we get into it, I'm going to first ask if you could subscribe to the podcast if you have not already done so. Please leave a five-star rating and written review. Really helps get God's word into more people's ears when you do that. And of course, share this episode or another episode with a friend, family member, or loved one that you think may benefit from the message. Also share it to your Instagram if you're on Instagram with me. Um... Now, this topic of depression and anxiety, it came up for me because I have been saved now for about five, six months. And, you know, at first, when that happens, I feel like we tend to see the world through rose-colored Jesus glasses, right? And I know I've talked about this briefly before. But we, you know, everything feels great because we're freshly saved. We are we are resurrected from our sin. We are new creation in Christ Jesus. And we feel so incredible because we've finally figured it out. We finally figured out what the answer to this thing called life is. And that answer is Jesus. But what happened to me and what happened to... A lot of you, because I did make a poll on my Instagram and so many of you reached out to me sharing that you too have experienced, you know, bouts of anxiety or depression, even after being born again or just throughout your Christian experience, if, you know, you've been Christian your whole life. And that's something I don't see a lot of people talk about. I really don't see this discussed within the Christian community. I think it's a little bit taboo, and I will get into why that is in a moment, but I wanted to just share that for me. What happened was the honeymoon phase with Jesus kind of ended, if you will. It's the best way that I can say it, you know. Circumstances in my life began to change and shift um, without oversharing, just a lot of things going on that actually are a direct result of me being born again that have been really challenging to navigate and to understand. And a lot of that has led me to feeling anxious again, led me back to feelings of depression. Now, I do want to say that it's not like it was before where I feel utterly hopeless. You know, I feel like there is just no answer. You know, when this happens now, when I experience these emotions now, I have the understanding that Jesus is still there. Jesus is always there and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will always keep his promise. That's something we're going to come back to a lot through this episode. But, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that what you know is sometimes different than what you feel. And so even with that knowing, I was still experiencing or still have been experiencing these feelings of depression and anxiety. A lot of it is circumstantial, yes, but, you know, this is something I've truly struggled with my entire life. And so for it to come back up again um, feels slash felt like a little bit of a shell shock. I will say that after preparing this episode, I feel much more comforted in it and you'll understand why, but... It was a shell shock for me because I was under the impression for whatever reason that now that I'm born again, oh, I guess that there's, I guess, you know, 
I will no longer really have that sorrow because, you know, I'm, I'm in the fruits of the Spirit. I have the joy of the Lord, of course. And that is still true, okay? That is still true for me and for you listening. You still have the joy of the Lord even if you have the sadness or the despair of the human experience, okay? So when I was feeling sad, this was happening a couple weeks ago really bad when I was in the throes of it, obviously feeling in a much better place now or I wouldn't be sitting here having this podcast come out today. Um, But I, you know, when I was in the throes of that, I started to think about how, wow, okay, so I'm a new creation, yes, but I'm still me. I'm still Angela, right? I'm still Angela. I'm just Angela in Jesus. So this Christian experience, I realized, is it's still me. It's still me. (laughs) It's just me with Jesus now. So that got me to feel curious about what God says about depression, you know, always go back to scripture, what God says about depression, what God says about anxiety. And of course, there's the verse, cast your anxieties to him for he cares for you. And while the word depression isn't explicitly in the Bible, there is several references to sorrow and despair and grief. And you know, the more that I studied it, the more I dove into it, and the more that I got into the biblical characters, because again, I'm a baby Christian, you know, not even a full year yet. I haven't read the entire Bible yet. So as I was studying this, and as I began to dive into some of these specific stories that I'll talk about in a moment, I realized that sadness, that anxiety, that depression, it's woven all throughout scripture through the major biblical characters. We hear a lot, or at least I do, that God uses the broken people, right? And that could not be more true. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to get into the word and to really see it and to observe it and to say, wow, I'm no different than King David. I'm no different than Jonah. I'm no different than Jeremiah. These great biblical prophets, Elijah, Moses, that God used for great things. I'm no different than them because they too experienced these very real human feelings of sadness and despair. And now there's a lot of misconceptions coming into the Christian community, especially from the hyper-charismatic Christian culture, right? You know, Again, it's, don't you know the joy of the Lord? You know, if you're depressed, it's because you're demon oppressed, which who needs to hear that when they're feeling down, right? Oh, if you're sad, it's because you've invited demons into your body some way, somehow, and you need to repent and you need to be delivered from that. You know, there are instances where, yes, demonic oppression can influence depressive feelings, but that's not always the case. And so that's just a major misconception that anytime we feel sadness, it's coming from a demon. That's like saying if you have seasonal allergies, it comes from a demon. It's not always the case. It's not that cut and dry. Okay, and then there's this other misconception that if you are depressed or anxious, that you don't trust God. And, you know, there may be a little bit of truth in that because in the moment where you're feeling really anxious about maybe the outcome of X, Y, or Z, there is this sense of, I really want this to happen. And so 
in a way you kind of feel like you have to control that or you want to control that outcome. And so maybe that is an indirect way of saying, I'm not really trusting God's plan right now, but that doesn't mean you don't inherently trust him. Okay. So don't let people tell you that you don't trust God. You're not, you're not really in the joy of the Lord. You're not really a child of God. You're not really in the Christian experience if you are feeling anxious or if you're feeling depressed, okay? Because that is just a lie. It's a lie. And then finally, a big misconception is that it's always your fault because of sin, okay? Yes, I do want to say that there are a lot of times where we are depressed because of our sin as a result of our sin, but it's not always your sin, okay? We live in a fallen world, and so the sin around us, the sin that we were born into, that's not your fault. It's not your fault you were born into sin. It's not your fault your parents birthed you of sin. You know, I don't know your birth story, but I can say for mine, mine for instance, I am a product of sin. And, you know, I love my mom, and I don't begrudge her any of that and this is all God's plan but that's just that's just the way it is you know I was born of sin and so I carry that within me and so that may be the same for you it's not always your fault it can be sometimes and there are ways that we need to check ourselves and see how we are contributing to the sadness or the depression with our sin but don't let people just tell you oh it's a demon it's your fault it's your sin you're not really in the joy of the Lord okay that's just all nonsense and all of those misconceptions, they only induce shame or guilt, which comes from, as we know, the enemy. That does not come from God. God would never shame you in your sadness. God would never make you feel guilty for your sadness. God holds you in your sadness, okay? But the thing is, is that the enemy, yes, he capitalizes on our pain. So when we are feeling these bouts of despair, when we are feeling these moments of anxiety, the devil comes in and says, Oh, you know what? Ooh, God doesn't want anything to do with you right now. Mm, you must not really believe in God. Mm, you must not really trust God right now, right? So Satan will capitalize on our sadness. So keep that in mind. Um, he loves to prey on our negative emotions. So don't always listen to other Christians, even me, you know, don't always, you know, cross-reference everything people say with scripture. That's what I always come back to. It's one of the most important lessons that I learned within my first couple weeks um, is listen to scripture above anyone else. Go back to the word, okay? Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. So, Anyone telling you that you're not close to God or whatever, those feelings of guilt that may come up within you, it's not true, okay? When you're depressed, when you're sad, the Lord is close to those that have a broken heart, okay? And for the record, the referenced scriptures will be in the show notes of this episode, so you can always go back and check those out. Um... But yeah, God is with you in that despair. God is always with you in that despair, so it might not fix your situation, it might not fix your feelings or your negative emotions, but know that, know that God is with you in your despair and that he is not here to shame you or guilt you or make you feel any less than because of your negative emotions. He wants to save you from that. Christianity is not all Pollyanna positivity. 
that's just, I really want to get that message across is that this idea that Christianity is this Pollyanna positivity and everything is rainbows and sunshine all the time because we are in the joy of the Lord. It's not true. Okay. So don't let anyone tell you or let you feel like you're not a true Christian for not being joyful 24 seven. Okay. We see all throughout scripture, how a regular part of the Christian experience does include negative emotion. And the examples of that are to come first. I want to mention that, you know, we live in a secular world. Okay. And this, the whole, you know, message of the secular world we live in is this pursuit of happiness, right? There's movies about it. There's books about it. There's, it's, it's what we, it's what we go to college for. It's what we get into a career for. It's what we, you know, get married for it with, within the secular realm. It's this pursuit of happiness, meaning that we can attain that, have that, hold that, and that the baseline, therefore, for one's emotional state is happiness, positivity, and joyfulness, right? That it should be, according to the secular world, the baseline for our human emotions within this pursuit of happiness, positivity, and joy, right? It's like this life is good mentality 24-7 to always come back to or always strive for. But the Bible does not actually share those assumptions, okay? We see all throughout scripture that the regular experience of a follower of God is not merely happiness or inherently positive emotion. Maybe not even normally, okay? Maybe not even normally. In fact, based on scripture, negative emotions are not only a part of the normal Christian experience, but actually necessary to that. Because the thing is, if we lived in constant joy, we would already be in heaven, right? We would already be in heaven, but the truth is we are in a fallen world. We are in a fallen world. And so we live in a fallen world, and then we have this idea because of the fallen world, because of the secular worldview that we are constantly bombarded with, that we should be in this pursuit of constant happiness. And so we're trying to chase that, trying to chase that, trying to attain that, wondering what the heck is wrong with us because we don't have this constant state of joy or this positive life is good mindset 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But that's because we're not familiar with the word. We're not familiar with what the Bible actually says. And again, we see all throughout scripture that the regular experience of a follower of God is not merely positive or inherently positive emotion all the time not not normally, right? It's not normal within scripture, actually. And that was something I was surprised to see. But once I started to really study it and understand it, it did bring me a lot of comfort realizing that. Because, again, the world has fallen. The world has fallen and backwards isn't always, is, is always going to try and have you reach for things, grasp for things that don't, measure up to what scripture actually says because the whole, you know, agenda of those that rule this fallen world, they don't want you there. They don't want you in scripture. They don't want you in the joy of the Lord. They want you trying to attain what the secular world has to offer. So keep that in mind, okay? This world is far from heaven. This world is far from heaven. And the emotions that we have Okay, emotions are simply reactions of evaluations of a situation around us. At any given time, any emotion you have, it's a reflection of an evaluation of a situation around you. You feel really happy because you're around children, right? You feel really sad because you're at a funeral. You feel really, really nervous because you're about to go in for a job interview, right? 
Emotions are reflections of evaluations of situations around us. And so depression, because we live in a fallen world, depression is actually an accurate evaluation of life because we live in a fallen world. So that's something to really chew on for a moment, right? Depression is an accurate evaluation of life because we live in a fallen world. When you're feeling sorrow or despair, who can blame you? Because yes, you have the joy of the world within you, but guess what? You're still in this world. You are not of this world, but you are still in it. You are still in it, okay? So the things that go on, it's going to affect you. And then of course, the people around you that may not be you know, followers of God the way you are, the things that they do, the ways that they interact are going to affect you as well because they are still chasing that secular pursuit of happiness worldview. And so their actions are consequently going to affect how you perceive things, perceive them, perceive the outcomes of the things that they do, and then how that affects you and your relationships with them. So depression can actually be the expression of a heart that is feeling accurately that this world is not how it's supposed to be. Whether that be an unsaved person in your life or just, again, I always say this, walk out your front door, all right? Being depressed can be the expression of a heart that is feeling accurately that this world is not how it's supposed to be. Therefore, Depression is actually an accurate emotional response in this world. I'm not saying it's pleasant. I'm not saying that makes it right. I'm just saying that actually it's an appropriate, accurate emotional response to this world, depression. Because look around you. We are in a fallen world. And yes, you know, other factors can be at play, but ultimately... It always comes back to that singular truth. We are of a fallen world. And physiological elements at play can contribute to this, of course. And we can and we should have, you know, professional attention if that's the case. Because God has created qualified healthcare professionals to help you through whatever XYZ you're going through, whatever trauma it is that perhaps induces these depressive emotions within you. And so I do want to just quickly mention, I'm not trying to dismiss any of that for you. Any any sorrow that you feel, anything that you've been through that perhaps makes you feel depressed or makes you feel anxious. I'm not here to dismiss any of that and say, oh, it's just because the world is a cesspool, right? That's true, but I'm not here to dismiss whatever experience you have endured or continue to endure that contributes to your depression, okay? Because no matter how you spin it, this is a process, this navigation of depression and anxiety. It's all a process. And you are not any less of a child of God for having to endure it, okay? I'm just going to say that over and over. You're not any less of a child of God for having to endure it. Again, being a follower of God is not merely an experience of positive emotion alone. And people want to use verses like, you know, Romans 15, 13, which says, now the joy, I'm sorry, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If you can hear my neighbor mowing the lawn, I'm so sorry. Hopefully you can't. 
Um, I don't know. It's pretty loud. Anyway, so people want to throw verses like 15 or Romans 15, 13 in your face and say, don't you know the joy of the Lord? Don't you know the joy of the Lord? But the thing is joy. Okay. Joy is not a simple replacement of depressive feelings. It's not either or either you're joyful or you're depressed. Okay. Joy is an addition to depression and joy actually streaks its way through depression. So I'm going to say all that again. Chew on it. If you're able to close your eyes and just listen to this, listen, okay? People want to tell you, don't you know the joy of the Lord when you're feeling depressed? But joy is not a simple replacement of depression. It's not one or the other. Joy is an addition to depression. Joy streaks its way through depression. It does not replace depression. It renews it because we recognize that although, yes, the world is broken and the circumstances around us, whatever's going on in your personal life may not be necessarily ideal right now. We recognize that. We recognize that we are broken inherently. We recognize that in spite of all of that, God will fix it in the end. He will usher in a world where there is no sorrow or pain. That's Revelations 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Okay? So, you can trust that God will keep his promise. And having that trust, no, having that joy, it doesn't replace whatever's going on within your life right now. It doesn't replace the brokenness of this current fallen world or the depressing feelings that you are currently navigating through. It's just that with that joy of the Lord, it can restore us. And it doesn't mean we necessarily feel better in the moment, but we can trust God's promise because he is, again, the same yesterday, today, and forever, even if our feelings always change. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are not, okay? You change every 10 seconds, right? You change from the time you wake up in the morning, walk into your bathroom and brush your teeth, you've probably changed three to four times within that time span, right? You're always changing. Your feelings are always fluctuating. God is always the same. We can trust his promise of Revelations 21.4, okay? We can trust that promise. So joy streaks its way through depression. Joy is an addition to depression. It is not a replacement of it. This promise of God for what's to come, it does not completely just dismantle everything that's currently going on right now. And God knew that. That's why he gave us his word. It's one of the many reasons he gave us his word, because he knew that this world was going to be the way it was after the fall in the garden. And so depression and anxiety within with all of this, all that said, depression and anxiety can be a platform in which we express our faith therefore right depression and anxiety can be a platform in which we express our faith because we can say in those moments in those in the trenches in the despair in the in the shadow uh, in, in the in the gallows of just that pain we can say oh 
he's got it. He's got it. It's in his hands. And that doesn't mean it's going to just totally just take you from, you know, zero on the scale all the way up to 10. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're just going to flip a light switch and suddenly just feel joyful and start galloping through daisies. Like that doesn't, that's not what it means. That's not what we're getting at here. It just means that you can hold both. Okay. You can hold both. You can hold both the joy of the Lord, the trust in the Lord, the faith of the Lord and your sadness at once. Cause you're not always going to hold the sadness. It's like you're not always going to hold happiness. You're not always going to hold that sadness. So you can't hold both things. Joy streaks its way through depression. And, you know, that saying, the Lord is my light. You know, the Lord is my light is most precious from a place of darkness. And so in that way, again, depression and anxiety can be a platform from which we express faith. Because when you're in that darkness, the light of the Lord shines all the more bright. And I want to add that depression is not a mark of God's disfavor. And that's evidenced in scripture with the biblical greats. Okay. I know a lot of the time when we feel this despair, it's like, why do I have to feel this way? God, if you're with me, if I have your joy, if I have your love, why do I have to feel this despair? Like, why am I going through this? Do you even love me? Are you even listening? Maybe we feel like our prayers aren't answered because we're experiencing anxiety or depression about whatever's going on. And we just feel unanswered. We feel forsaken. And I felt because of that, you know, I've been there. And so I wanted to say that, you know, as kind of a caveat that depression is not a mark of God's disfavor. And again, we do see that evidenced in scripture all throughout the Bible. And so I took time to kind of draw together six major examples of this, of, you know, how it's woven all throughout scripture that depression and anxiety are very normal parts of the Christian experience normal parts of the Christian experience, not even just like a once in a while sort of thing, very normal parts of the Christian experience, depression and anxiety are. Again, it's not Pollyanna positivity. People that want to shove all that Pollyanna positivity of Christianity down your throat, that is not productive and it's not biblically sound. What scripture actually shows us is that Yes, depression, anxiety, these negative emotions are indeed a normal part of the Christian experience. And being a follower of God does not dismiss you from any, from any of that sorrow. But yes, as a follower of God, we can hold both that joy and the depression at once. We can have the joy of the Lord as an addition to the depression that we feel. Again, joy streaks its way through depression and it's not a disfavor. You're not disfavored by God for experiencing that. Now, to the examples, we have first Job, okay? So if you're familiar with Job, he was rich, healthy, a blessed man. He was, he is, was God's favored. And, you know, he had all of the things, literally all of the things until, until foreigners kill his um, foreigners kill his land and steal his animals, 
kill his servants and steal his land. I can't read my own writing. Foreigners kill his servants and steal his animals, which is his livelihood. The wind pulls down the house on his family, killing his seven sons and three daughters. And then he has boils all over his body, which I can only imagine how painful that must be, right? So we have here Job 30, 16, 16 through 20. It says, And now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews, which muscles, take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. He has cast me into the mire, and I am like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. So he's feeling totally abandoned and not heard by God here. And he's saying his soul has literally poured out upon him, and the days of affliction have taken a hold of him. They have a strong hold over him. Another example in Job 3.11. Why... Why did I, what? oh, I'm sorry. Why died I not from the womb? Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Saying, why was I born? That's essentially what he's saying there. Why was I born? And then the third example with Job 10.1 my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak into the bitterness of my soul. So within these three examples, we have Job feeling abandoned by God. Um, you know, kind of rejecting God within that sense, because to say that God doesn't hear you is to push him away. And then we have him questioning why he was ever born. And then finally, straight up saying that he hates his life. Okay. So, you know, yes, with Job, this is circumstantial depression because ultimately with, with any circumstantial depression, it's, it's where we place our hope in something and that hope fails us. So with Job, you know, he had it all, right? And he had all of the things, like I said, when I started talking about him, but that all was ripped away from him. His world totally transformed. And so his hope was that you know, because he had such a great relationship with God, right? Because he had such a great relationship with God. His hope was that that relationship would sustain his lifestyle, you know, the richness, the healthiness, the blessedness. But that was not the case here. And so how often do you find yourself doing that where you place your own hope into something and that hope fails you? And so You think that it's God out to get you. You question why you're even here and you just totally hate your life because of that. You know, that's something to consider when we do experience depressive feelings. I know I can speak from experience saying that a lot of the things that I was going through a couple weeks ago, some of it comes from me hoping for things and that just not being the reality. You know, despite... Despite how close your relationship may be to God, um, despite how, you know, connected you feel with Christ, that does not dismiss you from tribulation. And that was a wake-up call for Job. And God uses that scripture to show us the same. You know, Job, um, Job is always known as the man who lost everything, right? But the thing is, 
He's always known as the man that lost everything, but he still ultimately came back to remaining steadfast in God's love and his grace and his promise. So he had endurance throughout this, throughout the tribulations that he went through throughout his depression. He had endurance and his endurance glorified God, which showcases us that, you know, God's people worship him not for gain, not for any gain in this life, but for who God is. So it's a really great lesson to take away from the book of Job, from what Job went through, is that we don't, we don't worship God. We don't have this relationship with God because we expect to just be within this blissful state of positive emotion 24 hours a day. That's not why we do this. We don't we don't have this relationship with God to have material wealth or possessions or a great, you know, great relationships. Like that's not what this is about. It's not about what God can give us. It's about who God is. And that's that is why we worship him. It's not about what we can gain from him, but for who he is. And you know what happened with Job was ultimately God increased what Job had twofold. And we f- we come to Luke 12, 31. But rather seek you the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So see, even in all of Job's despair, he had his sights set on the Lord. He had his sights set on the kingdom. He still believed in God, even though he had his moments where he felt unheard, where he wished he was never born, where he hated his life. He always set his sights back on God. He was seeking the kingdom of God. And so these things were added to him. The thing about this verse is that it, you know, it does pertain to what we have in this life. Yes, but far more importantly, it's about our eternal glory. When we seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added on to us, meaning the kingdom of God will one day be ours. Not ours that we own it, but we will experience that because we are seeking it, because we keep our sights set on that regardless of everything else that's going on. So overall, Job's story is an example of how God... God is not interested in giving you an easy life, okay? And that's not to say, you know, he's sitting up there. And I love, if you've seen Bruce Almighty, I just love that line. God's a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, you know, just seeing if he can burn off my femurs and watch me squirm. Like, that's not what God's doing. So when I say God's not interested in giving you an easy life, I don't mean that he's sitting up there picking on you. I mean that he's interested in growing your character. And it doesn't mean that, again, he makes us suffer, but rather he holds us through our suffering and he reveals to us what is true in our suffering. And I know that's, that can be annoying to hear. Like right now, if if you're listening to this right now and you are currently going through something depressing or you feel really anxious, to hear that that God holds us through our suffering, it might feel annoying to hear. I understand. Trust me, I understand. But the thing is, what you want 
to hear versus what you need to hear kind of thing. So it's the truth we can always come back to because it is true. He does hold you through our suffering and it is true that he promises us eternal life, not an easy life. God promises eternal life, not an easy life. And that's something that we really learn with the book of Job. We also learn that with Elijah. So moving on. Elijah, I feel really... I have felt really pulled to the story of Elijah for, Elijah for quite some time. And as I started to go through my little series of depressive episodes a couple weeks ago, I understood why when I really got into, you know kings um so elijah was a prophet and despite seeing god do incredible things like send fire down from heaven he still was overwhelmed with fear and he got to a point where he didn't want to live anymore so here we have one kings 19:4 where jezebel is set out to kill him and elijah said it says here but he elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O lord take away my life for i am not better than my father's elijah sang a prayer for god to take his life for god to end his life this is suicidal language any mental health professional will tell you that. A prayer to die, that's suicidal. That is somebody experiencing truly negative emotion. So what does God do with that? God makes him rest and sleep. God makes him rest and sleep. So instead of suffering, he instead rests. And while he rests, God sends him an angel with bread and ultimately makes him eat. So we have two things here that are really important, especially in the secular world. We have rest and nutrition. So this is a reminder to take care of our physical body. Also, I wanted to just remind you that, you know, the food in this in this world in this day and age now it's worse than it's ever been okay the things that we eat even the healthy things that we eat have pesticides but the things that we eat you know sunflower oil and these red dyes in food processed grains all this stuff is poison and it does contribute to physiological elements which can trigger depression. The water we drink. There's stuff in that water that is, you don't even want to know what is in the water that we drink. The air that we breathe. Do you think chemtrails are a conspiracy? <laughs> I have news for you. <laughs> okay, so we have very real contributing factors to feeling depressed coming from just our food water and air <coughs> excuse me and that's kind of the point right that's kind of the point of why they feed us these things and why they poison our water why they poison our air 
because they don't want us to be healthy mentally, physically, or spiritually. So given that, I, I wanted to mention that because coming back to what I said at the beginning, how it's not always your fault, that is absolutely a component. Now, that, however, makes it all the more important for us to be cognizant of our nutrition and of our rest, okay? It's extra important that we do the best we can with nutrition and with our habits. So habits include not only our food and our rest, but our exercise, how we move our body. Movement is medicine. Um, because, you know, exercise, sleep, and food and exercise, it's either those habits that you have surrounding those three things, those three pillars of health, it's either starving your depression or it's feeding it. So with this just example of God making Elijah sleep and eat, it just reminds us to take care of our physical body. This is God's temple. This body that you're in, this is this is the body that God gave you. It's sacred for that reason. And so you do have a responsibility to take care of it, especially if you don't want to feel sad, if you don't want to be depressed. The one thing that you can that you can control you know, to an extent, because again, we are being poisoned constantly. But the one thing that you can control is your habits. So making sure you're getting proper rest, adequate water, and good nutritiously dense foods. Those are three things that when we feel sad, that we can come back to. Moving on with Elijah. God also gave him companionship, okay? Gave him Elisha. So 2 Kings 3.11. Is there not a prophet of the Lord that, oh, sorry, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Saphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Poured water on the hands of Elijah. So that, just that image, pouring hands, pouring water on the hands of Elijah. That's something that Elijah couldn't even do in that moment for himself. And just that imagery of somebody helping you, of just pouring water on your dirty hands, you know, cleansing you, making you clean. It's a reminder of how important it is to ask for and allow help. Okay, do not self-isolate. You know, Elijah goes into a cave. Do not self-isolate. Seek help. And again, professional help if you feel that's necessary. Okay, it doesn't make you any less of a Christian for needing professional help. Again, God created, you know, these therapists, these doctors, they are children of God. He created them you know, with all of their idiosyncrasies and brilliancies that would allow them to be mental health professionals. So if you need that, don't feel ashamed or don't feel guilty because again, feelings of shame and guilt come from the enemy, not from God. So keeping that in mind, just with this whole thing with Elijah and God giving him companionship, don't self-isolate, seek help. When I'm sad, when I'm really depressed, I I self-isolate, okay? So I can say without a shadow of a doubt that when you self-isolate, it makes it worse for yourself because with that mindset, 
you know, of just being totally on your own, it creates this like tunnel vision, this self-centered tunnel vision of just sadness where you can't see anything but yourself. And when I'm in that state personally, I can't even tell you how many stupid times a day I say the word I. And that self-centeredness, that tunnel vision that I mentioned, it amplifies the depression. It amplifies the depression. So don't self-isolate. And again, God knew that we would experience depression and anxiety in this life. And so he uses these broken people throughout scripture to show us what needs to be done, how we can help ourselves through that, how he is going to help us through that. So here we have companionship, proper nutrition, proper rest, and movement, okay? Because God gets Elijah to get up and move. He asks him, what are you doing here, right? Because he's not, you know, he's not in the, in the loud, in the loud things, we have 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, where it says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Indicating that there's a better place for him to be. So don't, coming back to that, don't make it harder for yourself. Don't go into the cave. What are you doing here? Set your sights on God in the, in the stillness of the sadness, okay? Because he's not going to be in the wind. He's not going to be in the fire. He's not going to be in the earthquake. He's going to be in the stillness. He's going to be in that in that little voice. And I know you get it when you're depressed or anxious because I get it too. I know you get it. That little voice that says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He speaks to us in that stillness with the, with the small whispers. And so this whole story of Elijah, I feel very, I feel like Elijah and I have, have a lateral experience here. I feel very drawn to this story because it's a very tangible example of what fearful, self-focused, myopic thinking can do to a person. Um just futility and fatigue and fear, all of the things that plague Elijah when he's going through this, this sadness, this despair, where he just, he, he just, he, he prays to die. He prays to die. That's intense. That's some intense stuff. But, but, right? But he follows that still voice. And ultimately, God's promise remains. God remains. No matter what Elijah's going through, God remains and God 
keeps trying to help him. So remember that too. God is always trying to extend his hand to you. God is always extending his hand to you. And again, that might suck to hear if you're feeling really crappy right now. If you're feeling really crappy, that might be the last thing you want to hear. But I will repeat, what you want to hear, different from what you need to hear. You need to know the truth. Remember, you can hold both that joy of the Lord and the depression that you currently feel. So from there, we have King David. Um, Now, King David was a warrior, a king. And he's also the author of 73 of the 150 Psalms. Um, I just started reading the Psalms recently, and they they are quite profound. But you will notice in the Psalms that they are very up and down. They're very up and down with with how David is feeling. And, you know, I don't know the time that elapsed between these, but it's up, down, up, down, up, down. That's very, that's very in- indicative of mental illness. And now we're only, we're only making assumptions here. But, you know, he goes from, God, why have you left me? To, oh, I love you, God. And it's very just like up, down, up, down, up, down. But again, it's that example of how joy streaks through depression. How despair is a very normal part of the Christian experience. Because it even happened to this king, this warrior, this warrior of God. One might even argue perhaps David had PTSD because he was a warrior. And so that might be relatable to perhaps any veterans listening. It's a very real thing. Now... Highlighting specifically here with David, we have Psalm 22, verse 1, which says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Then we have Psalm 13, verses 1 through 3. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, I'll be honest, that brought tears to my eyes reading that. Because that's so sad. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Again, notice the word daily. He says daily. Sorrow in my heart daily. Remember that emotions are... Remember that emotions are evaluations of a situation around us. And that depression, therefore, can actually be an accurate evaluation of life because of the fallen world we live in. So if you can relate to that word daily, just remember that. What emotions are. They're assessments of what's going on around us. And to be depressed in this world would actually be an accurate emotional response to it. So this stuff with David is heavy. It's really heavy. He is arguably the most depressed Um person in the Bible. And, you know, with all of this, he feels, he does feel forgotten by God. And he literally cries out for death. He cries out for death. You know, Elijah prays for death, but 
David cries out for it to the point where his his throat hurts, you know, the words of my roaring. Um, and David is known as, you know, a man after God's own heart. Even a man after God's own heart experiences immense sorrow and grief. You know, Job was one of the favored. Job was one of the favored with all his, his riches and health and his blessings. He still suffered tremendously, lost everything. David, a man after God's own heart, still experienced immense sorrow and grief. And in all his ups and downs, in all his ups and downs throughout the Psalms, he too comes back to praise. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So he's saying here that he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but he's not going to fear it because he knows God's with him. He knows God is with him. So this brings us back to what we talked about in the beginning, how joy streaks its way through depression, how having that faith in God is in addition to the depression it's a it's a restoration it's not a replacement of it okay so we can have this trust in the lord and the promise of of you know regardless of what's going on within this world there's a wider world waiting for us because of god's promise and he is the same yesterday today and forever right David reminds us of that really exceptionally. But he had a lot of sorrow. And if you read through Psalms, which I recommend you you do, if you really feel sad, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety um, and trying to make sense of it, go into, go into Psalms, get, get to know David a little bit um, because I think it will bring you a lot of comfort as it did me. Now, the thing is, right, we have with that, with that Psalm 23, verse 4, God is with David. And he knows that, you know, he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil for thou art with me. So he knows God's with him. But the thing is, Knowing God is there and feeling him are two different things. And I can say that from experience as well. So this comes back to how I said, don't let anyone tell you that you're not truly a child of God or you're not a real Christian if you're feeling sadness or despair because that's not true. You can know God is there and still feel like he's not answering you. But because you are a new creation, because you do have the Holy Spirit within you, right? Because you are a child of God, you can know that and still not feel it in that moment. The thing is, though, salvation is not found in our feelings. Salvation is not found in our feelings. 
Salvation is found in Jesus. And David reminds us of this because he always comes back to praise and God's unfailing love, even when he doesn't necessarily feel that way. Even in those moments. So this is that whole notion of walk by faith, not by sight. That's where this comes into play. David did that. Walk by faith, not by sight. And so as we wrap up with David, I'm just going to leave you with that, okay? Even a king, even a king suffered. The intensity. The breadth. The lowest of low of negative emotions. Even a king. One of God's chosen. And you too are one of God's chosen. Because God uses the broken people. We're seeing that evidence throughout scripture. Moving on. Example four. This is a quicker one, but I wanted to highlight it because it's Psalm 88, which is authored by Heman, the son of Korah. And this is, I, I want to read this, this whole thing, because this is one of the darkest pieces of scripture I've encountered. Um, and I think it's the darkest psalm of all of them. And so it says, O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. My life draws close to the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as man that hath no strength. Free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Saying he's cut from God's hand. Moving on. Verse 6. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hand unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee I have cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They come round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. That is just utterly, painstakingly grief-stricken. And 
I'm not too familiar with Heman, aside from this psalm, biblically speaking, but... You know, this is in scripture for a reason. This really just goes to show how dark we humans can get sometimes. Now again, that's not to say that we cannot still know the joy of the Lord, even in that despair. But I wanted to highlight that psalm because I just wanted you to know that you're not any less worthy of God's love. Well, let me backpedal because you're not worthy is the thing, but he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway, unconditionally. What I'm saying is I suppose you're not... You're not any less worthy of the title of child of God because you may experience similar feelings to Psalm 88, right? Psalm 88 is some of the darkest, if not the darkest part of scripture, and yet it's still in scripture. It's still the word of God. And so if this, if this dark, dark passage can be a part of God's word, you really don't think that he can hold you in your despair? You don't think that he is holding you in your despair and that he loves you unconditionally through it? If it's even in his own word, just reflect on that for a moment. Now we have two more examples. We have Jeremiah who was a major prophet of God, um, the author of La- the Book of Lamentations. Um, and the Book of Lamentations, if you're unfamiliar, it's just sorrowful, basically sorrowful reactions to the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple by the Babylonians. Now, ultimately, Lamentations teaches us um, to see lament as an important spiritual exercise that brings our anger pain, and confusion to God. So, so, you know, he suffered too, despite that he had so much to offer us, Jeremiah. He, he had so much to offer us with this book of Lamentations, all these lessons, and he still suffered too, okay? Um, so we have Jeremiah, Verse 20, let me get this up here. Apparently I forgot to write this one down. Okay. Jeremiah verse, um, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 14 through 18. It says, cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A man child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And let that man be as cities which the Lord overthrew and repented not. And let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting in the noontide. Because he slew me not from the womb, or that my mother 
might have been my grave and her womb to be always great with me. Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame? So he basically rues the day he was born because of how his life has been playing out ever since that point. And yet, and yet, right? And yet, Jeremiah is one of the great prophets of God. And he does give us this book of Lamentations. So even, even in that suffering, right? Even in that suffering where he rues the day he was born. Because he doesn't necessarily like his purpose. He doesn't like what he's going through. He still remains faithful to God. He still remains faithful to God. He still trusts his promise and he still trusts his plan. And, you know, faithfulness, you know, we see as an example with Jeremiah, faithfulness does not mean a person can escape depression. So don't fall for the theology of glory that we won't suffer or that we shouldn't suffer. Back to that hyper-charismatic Christian culture. You're demon-oppressed. It's your own sin. You know, you're not close to God. Don't fall for that theology of glory that we shouldn't suffer because faithfulness does not mean a person is, is exempt from depression. Jeremiah is an example of that. Now, the thing is, John 16, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So actually, Jesus promises us tribulations in this life. He promises us suffering in this world, but he has overcome the world. So he's saying that even though you're going to suffer, just know it's a cesspool out there, yes, but I've overcome it, okay? I've overcome it. The work is done on the cross, right? It is finished. I've overcome it. So find peace in that. But you're still going to have the tribulations. Again, Jesus promises uh, Jesus promises us eternal life, not an easy life. So remember that depression again is an emotion and a lot of the time that comes from accurately assessing the world or situation or the tribulation around us. Right? Lamentations Chapter 3, verses 17 through 25. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. So Jeremiah has necessarily no confidence that he may expect any glory from God. Okay. But. He deliberately turns from remembering his circumstances to realizing the character of God, right? So yes, the depression comes from accurately assessing the world around him, but he chooses to focus on the promise, on God's glory, on God's mercy, how they are new every morning. So Jeremiah in this, in this chapter, in these verses, goes from the physical to the eternal, 
holding both, yep, suffering and joy at once. Joy is in addition to the suffering as the renewal, not the replacement, right? It's an addition. So notice with Jeremiah and all the aforementioned, as we just said, how God truly does use the broken people. And Lamentations shows us, you know, so many things that actions have consequences, actions have consequences that disobedience leads to desolation, that we need correction as a human species, and that God is the only hope. So there's a lot to offer us there. There's a lot to offer us in the book of Lamentations. And with all these beautiful lessons that Jeremiah provides us through, you know, prophesying God, he still suffers too. So again, it's not Pollyanna positivity to acknowledge that that there can in fact be purpose in the pain. So I've said several times that don't let people shove Pollyanna, Pollyanna positivity of Christianity down your throat. Finding purpose in your pain, saying that there's purpose in your pain is not that. It is just an acknowledgement of what is true. It is true to say that. So the thing is, you know, God knew we would experience depression and anxiety. So he used anxious and depressed people like Jeremiah to do his work, like the book of Lamentations, and to leave that work for us in the times that we would also inevitably feel similar things and emotions to these biblical greats. And ultimately, we remember that in whatever ways this world has failed us, there is a wider world that is coming and will not fail us. It's that famous John 3:16 line, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life, you shall not perish. You shall not perish. Okay? It's the promise of the wider world. It's the promise of the wider world. And knowing that there can be purpose in this pain right now because Jesus does promise us tribulations in this life, but within that pain, right, within that darkness, the light of the Lord shines brighter than ever. And again, that's not Pollyanna positivity, like saying, joy of the Lord, joy of the Lord, joy of the Lord, 24-7, 24-7, 24-7. It's just simply offering what is true, offering the truth that joy is an addition to depression within the very normal Christian experience. Finally, as a last example, wanted to use Moses because Moses is, well, Moses. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot with Moses where, where he, he feels unqualified in things and where he gets angry at God and he doesn't necessarily agree with what he's doing, but he still trusts God anyway. And so that's why I wanted to highlight him. So here in Numbers 11 verses 14 through 15, it says, Moses says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. So he's saying, just just kill me. You know, if I, this is too much for me. Um, if this is how you're going to deal with me, then just, just let me die. Like, that's Moses saying that. Moses. The man that God entrusted with the Ten Commandments is saying, hey, you know what? Just just let me die. You know, I'm wretched and I don't want to do this anymore. This is too much for me. Um, I don't like it. Take it for me. Take me for me, right? Even Moses. 
Um, and you know, this is this is a this is also kind of a not not branching off topic, but sort of adding to how Moses had a very close relationship with God, of course. And so with having a relationship with God, think of the other relationships in your life, right? We get mad at people we love sometimes. We get angry at the people we love sometimes. We, you know, want to turn our nose to the people that we love sometimes. Because Jesus is real and alive and God is real, a living, true God, you are going to experience real relational feelings within that relational dynamic. Now, God is perfect, so he's just always going to love you. He's a God that's slow to anger. He is full of love. He's always just going to love you, always just going to outreach his hand for you and just love you and help you. But you, on the other hand, you are wretched, as Moses says. You are wretched. You are sinful. You are broken. It's just the, you know, it just is what it is. It's the consequence of this world. And so you're going to sometimes be mad at God. You're going to sometimes experience those very real human emotions within this relationship, just like you're going to experience the very real human feelings of depression, anxiety, sadness, despair, whatever, grief, whatever it is, right? So remember that too. Like it's normal to sometimes get mad at God and that doesn't make you any less of a Christian either. Now, I'm not saying that it is right. I'm not saying that it's right. It's it's a sin. It's, you know, to kind of turn your nose to the Lord, but it doesn't mean you're not going to do it. And so I just want to just want to offer that to you. Um, and that's something you should always repent for. And I'm sure you always do and you always will, but it's another way for us, I think, that we can easily start to feel guilty or shameful or disconnected from God when we start to feel angry at him or, you know, kind of be like, why are you, why are you doing this to me? Why are you picking on me? Like, what the heck is this about kind of thing, right? When we feel those things, it might make us feel guilty for feeling them at all. And again, guilt, shame, all that nonsense, it comes from the enemy, not from the Lord. So when you have that come up, remember... Oh, okay. I'm just I'm just a wretched person and I, uh, that's why I'm feeling like this right now. It's not because I'm not really a child of God. It's actually because I'm very close to God. I'm so close to God. I have this really close personal relationship with him that sometimes I get mad at him when he doesn't give me what I want <laughs> or when things aren't going my way kind of thing, right? So remember that too. Um, I wanted to highlight that. Because I think when we do get sad, it's really easy to go there. It's really easy to go to that place of, why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you picking on me? Why aren't you listening to me? Like, screw you. I don't want this to happen. Or, you know, how I said before, depression sometimes can come from when we place our hope in something and that hope ends up failing us, right? So maybe it's an unanswered prayer or something in your life isn't happening the way you necessarily want it to be. It's really easy to turn to God and say, why are you letting this happen? If you really love me, why are you letting this happen? You know, Job could have easily done that and... Elijah could have done that, but ultimately we come back to the truth, the truth, which is that he loves us unconditionally and he promises us eternal life, not an easy life. So wanted to touch on that. Now, Moses, right? Moses feels unqualified and singled out by God that he wishes to die in that, um, those verses from Numbers, he doesn't feel qualified to bring the Israelites to Egypt and, you know, he, 
we won't always feel qualified either, okay? So depression is one thing. Anxiety is another. A lot of anxiety comes from those feelings of not feeling qualified. We're not always going to feel qualified to do God's work. I don't feel qualified to do this podcast 90% of the time. To sit here and to try to accurately demonstrate what the word of God means, I don't feel qualified to do that. I hate myself so much sometimes that I can't stand it. Like, that's the truth. I, I hate myself some, so much sometimes that I can't even stand it. I don't feel qualified to do this. I don't feel qualified to share with you the truth and the love and the grace of the Lord because I'm just me. I'm just Angela, right? I'm just Angela. And, you know, for whatever reason, God wants me to be doing this. But I, I still don't feel qualified to do it. But the thing is, I, I trust him. I trust him because I, I don't trust myself. I don't always trust myself to say the right thing, to do the right thing. The thought of me saying something on this podcast or on Instagram or whatever, the thought of saying something on one of these platforms that could potentially turn somebody away from God, that makes me very anxious. That makes me feel very unqualified to do what I do, if you want to say it like that. And so in that, we can remember even Moses felt unqualified. And this isn't to like toot your own horn kind of thing. It's just to say that the Christian experience, the human experience is saturated in an array of emotion that is normally negative, normally negative, and joy is the addition to that. Joy is the addition to that. Joy streaks its way through depression. But, you know, it's easy for, it's easy for that guilt to come up. It's easy for that guilt to come up and, you know, it, it's just unnecessary at the end of the day when you experience these bouts of depression to feel guilty. Because it doesn't mean your heart isn't after God. Just like with David. David, a man after God's heart. He was still all of those things, but he was also sad too. Um, heck, honestly, even Jesus. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He falls to his face. In that moment where he is, he's asking, because he knows what's coming... He knows what's coming on the cross. He knows that there's going to be that moment on the cross where he feels the weight of, of your sin, of my sin, of the sin of the world, of the world, and that God is going to punish him in that moment for it. That he is going to take our punishment. Jesus knows that's coming. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he feels that sorrow. Even Jesus feels that. He feels that grief. And he falls to his face and he asks God if it has to be this way, knowing that it does, right? He knows that it does, but he, he, even, get, he even feels that way. He trusts God, yes, but he experienced sorrow in a moment where, guess what? He was accurately evaluating his environment. That's what depression is, right? It's an emotional response to what's going on around us. Even Jesus experienced that. So 
you know, it comes back to that notion of, of course, we're going to feel depressed and anxious in this world. Look around. Look around. Of course, you're going to feel it. Now, if you're listening to this, you may say, well, okay, well, what's even the point then, right? What is even the point of this whole God thing if I'm still going to suffer regardless? Because I feel like that might be part of the reason that a lot of Christians don't tend to talk about depression and anxiety is because we don't want to, we don't want to steer people away from coming to Christ, right? We don't want people to be like, well, I'm still, I'm sad now. So you're telling me I'm still going to be sad when I'm with Jesus? Well, I might as well just be sad on my own, right? No, no. Okay. Romans 8.18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So yeah, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer in this world with or without Jesus. But the thing is, if we suffer with Jesus, we have eternal glory to look forward to. Again, this, this world that has disappointed us and will always disappoint us because that is just the natural secular world for you. We have a wider world to look forward to. Jesus promises us that. God promises us that. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? So, yeah, you do need Jesus. You do need Jesus. Even though you're still going to have tribulations. Even though you're still going to be you. Even though you are a new creation, though. You're still a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're resurrected from your sins. So there is a quote-unquote point to the God thing, right? There's still a point to it. The point is not to be sunshine and daisies 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's Pollyanna positivity. No, that is not why we praise God. We praise God for who he is. And who he is, is the great comforter. He is the beacon of unconditional love and forgiveness and grace and the one who promises us eternal glory if we believe in him and put our love and our faith and our trust in him. Okay, so there is a point to it. You can suffer by yourself or you can suffer with Jesus holding your hand. Personally, I really like the latter. I think that sounds a lot better. And I promise the suffering won't be the same because, uh, you know, although I've still experienced bouts of depression and anxiety, it's not the same as it used to be. It's not the same as it used to be because I know Jesus is there. I know Jesus is there. I know God is there. I know that his plans are good. I know that his promise is true. I know. Even in the moments when I can't feel it. I know. So, given all of this, right, what can we do with all of this now? We can do a few things. Number one, first and foremost, we can pray. When we are sad and anxious, when we are depressed, we must open this Bible. And I know it's the hardest thing to do in those moments. Trust me, I know, because my Bible collects dust when I'm depressed. But that's when you need it most. That's when you need to turn to the Bible most. Pray. You're going to feel mental resistance. 
That's when you need to do it most. Pray and open your Bible when you're depressed and when you're anxious. It is the number one thing that you should and can do for yourself. Next, you can seek companionship or professional help if necessary. Again, don't be ashamed of professional help. Um, But companionship regardless, a friend in Christ, brother or sister in Christ, your partner, whoever it may be, seek that companionship. Do not self-isolate and make it worse for yourself. Take it from me, okay? Three, evaluate our own sin and our role in the suffering, okay? Because the truth is, yes, yeah, some, uh, sometimes your depression, your anxiety it comes from a direct result of your own sin. If you're living in sin, how can you expect to live in the joy of the Lord, right? So evaluate ways that you are contributing to it. What sin are you not letting go of? You know, like, are you praying for something every day to happen, but then you're still doing the sinful thing that's preventing that prayer from coming to fruition? So check yourself, you know, hold yourself accountable to your own sin, to your own role in that. God is not a vending machine. You can't just put a quarter in, ask for what you want, turn it and receive, okay? You got to meet him halfway. You got to be willing to repent for your sins, be willing to let go of your sins, to deny yourself, as Jesus says, to pick up your cross and follow him, right? So look at the role that you play in that. Next is assess our habits. This means food, exercise, and sleep, as we saw highlighted with Elijah. Those are things that are within our control, and they're not always easy. I understand this is easier said than done, but it's true, okay? It's true, so it doesn't negate that. Um, Make sure you're getting proper sleep, drink water, eat nutritiously dense foods best you can, bearing in mind that we live in a poison, a world of poison, okay? (laughs) Happy news. Lastly, We can remind ourselves of what we know over what we feel because, again, our salvation is not found in our feelings. Our salvation is found in Christ Jesus. So when you feel that way, remind yourself of what is true and recognize that even in the knowing what is true, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to feel it. Knowing that God is with you, knowing that you do trust God, that you understand his plan is greater than your own, it doesn't mean it's going to flip a light switch on within you and you're going to be like, oh, I can see the stars again. It's not, that's not what it means. It means that joy is an addition to depression, right? So wrapping it all up here. Christianity is not the avoidance of all negative or depressed, anxious feelings. But, here's the but, right? But they do not have to harden over or characterize the entirety of this world or this life because God has indeed promised a greater world and a greater life for you. He has promised that for you. So the depression, the anxiety, it doesn't have to harden your heart. Pray for renewal. Pray for that spirit. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. So fear not, even when you feel fear, right? Hold both. As we see evidence throughout scripture, to close it up, as we see evidence throughout scripture, Joy is not the baseline for emotion, for for human emotion. 
within the Christian experience, negative emotion is very much so normal and I would argue even necessary because there is purpose in the pain and we see the light of Jesus shine through more in the darkness, okay? Just summarizing the points here. And we can always trust God. We can always trust God even in our despair. Even in our despair, we can trust God. Even when we can't feel it, we can still know it, all right? We can still know it even when we can't feel it. And so ultimately... You know, I didn't want to preach to you about how everything gets better and, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and X, Y, Z. What I, what I really wanted to, to prove with this episode was there's sadness. And if you're watching, I'm holding the Bible and showing you this beautiful, beautiful work of art that God has given us. There's sadness in here, in these words, in these pages. There's there's beauty and there's grace and there's love and there's hope and there's renewal and there's joy, but there's a, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of pain. There's there's suicidal ideologies. There's there's depression. There's anxieties. There's feelings of doubt and fear and, and grief and woe and sorrow and tribulations and and brokenness and wretchedness and and yet. You know, God loves throughout all of it. And and with all of that said, you know, all of that sadness that, that's in these pages, I just wanted that to be a comfort to you. I wanted that to be a comfort to you as it was to me to realize that you're not any less of a child of God for, for still navigating your depression and your anxiety. It probably looks a lot different than it used to, yes, but you're not, you're not any less of a child of God. And he doesn't love you any less. He doesn't love you any less than he did any of these people. Like Elijah and Jeremiah and David and Moses. He was still with all of them. Okay? So you're not doing it wrong. You're not doing the Christian thing wrong. You're not, you're not following God incorrectly. You are just accurately assessing this world around you, accurately assessing the the experience of being born of a fallen world, of, of a sinful world, of being born into the flesh, which is just inherently sin. You're not wrong for assessing that emotional with emotional accuracy. Even Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He still trusted God, but he still felt sorrow from accurately assessing the emotions, from accurately assessing his environment with his emotions is what I meant. And so, yeah, I I don't want to get redundant, but that's, that's just the truth. And I, again, I don't see a lot of people talk about this. I don't see a lot of people address depression and anxiety within the Christian community. It's just this Pollyanna positivity, hyper-charismatic Christian, woohoo, joy of the Lord, joy of the Lord, joy of the Lord, deliver you from that. Um, and yes, he does deliver from, he does deliver from sadness and depression. He absolutely does. I'm not saying that you are doomed to be sad forever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, you know, when you experience these things, to not fall into the shame or guilt trap because that is a futile road and it's not biblically sound biblically 
it's biblically evident that despair is a normal part of the Christian experience and that God uses that brokenness to transform and to renew. So let's close out in prayer together. Um, I will leave my Instagram down in the show notes. Please follow me if you don't already and share a screenshot or recording of you listening to or watching this episode and tag me in it so I can personally thank you for that. Um, And again, subscribe if you haven't already done so. If you feel called to donate to the Heaven and Healing Podcast Ministry, the link is in my bio. It turns out, you know, maintaining a podcast, there are expenses that come with it. So if you feel called to, that would be excellent. And if not, please just pray for this ministry. Pray for me. Pray for Heaven and Healing Podcast. Now let's all pray together. (sighs) Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the biblical greats that you used, these ordinary people, these broken people that you used for extraordinary things, Lord. Thank you for using them as a showcase of what really is normal to experience emotionally as a Christian, as a follower of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for for this beautiful work of art, for this holy Bible for the characters within the Bible that you use to show us what is real and what is true and what is inherently human, Lord. Thank you for your promise of eternal life, God. Thank you for your promise of eternal glory and salvation. Thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for carrying us through our pain, through our sorrow, through our suffering, Lord. Thank you for your mercies and your grace, which is new every morning, Lord. And I pray that anyone listening to this podcast, I pray that they may be delivered from their sadness, from their despair, from their anxiety, and from their depression, Lord. I pray that they may be delivered of the bondage of that, Lord, that it may not harden over their hearts. God, I pray that they may find purpose in their pain, Lord Jesus. I pray that they see your light in the in the darkness. I pray that they always are able to recognize what is true and that they know you regardless of what they feel in the moment. Lord, I pray that they find their salvation in you, understanding that our salvation is not in our feelings, God. I pray that everyone listening finds comfort in you, even in the moments of their sadness, Lord. And I pray that you bring them peace. I pray that you bring them peace. I pray that you shower them in your love. I pray that you reveal to them their greater purpose. I pray that you reveal to them all of your goodness. Lord, I pray that this reaches anyone who needs it. God, I trust that these episodes will find who they are meant to find, Lord. And I, and I put that in your hands. Though I don't always feel qualified to do this, I trust that you chose me in all my brokenness to do this work in the front lines for you, Lord Jesus. And that those listening have a similar calling to spread your gospel and your love. 
through whatever tribulations they may endure, Lord. And I pray that you hold their hand through those tribulations, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. All praise and glory be unto him. May he bless you. Take care.